This time on Guided. The way a prism works is that you shine a beam of light into a prism. The light goes inside, it bends a little bit, and then it bends a little bit more. And then when it shines on the other side, guess what you see? The whole spectrum, all the colors in the rainbow. And that's how life's supposed to work. But what happens is every single pattern that we have, it's a distortion. It's like a little piece of tape or a little smudge on the prism. So if we take a prism and then we get it a little dirty and then we smudge it and then we mark it with a marker and then we put duct tape on it and then, you know, there's this big societal belief that says, oh, we got to put double duct tape on that. Otherwise, everyone's going to, you know, it's going to be bad for everybody. There's all these different little, the tape and the bullet and the smudge and the thing. And then pretty soon you can't even see the prism. Then when you shine the light on it, no rainbow. Welcome to Guided, a podcast all about following your intuition, no matter where it guides you. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is your host, Zach Luz. Welcome back to the show. This is Guided, a show that's all about following your intuition, no matter where it guides you. And on today's episode, we are going to talk about the seven stages of awakening told through seven stories, part one. So as I was going through my spiritual awakening process, and and in many ways still going through it on a day-by-day basis, one thing that I've always wanted and I've been searching for, whether I've been watching spiritual YouTube videos you know, spending time going to spiritual events and talking with other people that are along the path. I've been wanting to have this thing that I could like grasp onto some sense of structure to know where am I at in this whole awakening process? You know, how much longer do I, am I at this certain stage and how do I know when I'm progressing? Cause a lot of times it can feel, um, <laughs> like you're not going anywhere, like you're just kind of treading water. And it's like the the metaphor that I was giving when I was describing this earlier, it's it's like you're in the deep end of the pool and you're learning how to swim. You just kind of woke up and there you are. It's so what I wanted to do with these couple episodes was provide, you know, the edge of the pool where you can go and you have something that you can grab onto. You still got to learn how to swim. You still got to learn how to handle yourself out in the tumultuous spiritual waters. But I wanted to put together some kind of structure and I've broken it down into seven stages of awakening that may be helpful to you if you're going through this path of awakening to your intuition and starting to follow that no matter where it guides you. On this episode, we'll be going through stages one, two, and three of the seven stages of awakening. And then in a later recording, we'll do part two, which includes stages four, five, six, and seven. Another big reason that I wanted to do this series of episodes is because, you know, it's just, it's not like if you spend a bunch of time in one phase and one stage of awakening, then eventually you graduate. 
for me, it's taken these shifts in perspective and how I view myself and how I view the world. And as soon as I shift that perspective, then uh, you kind of move on to the next phase. So I'll have those, you know, kind of sprinkled in throughout each of these different stages. But my goal is really to help speed up that learning curve. Um, because for me, um, I had other people that were helping me out, but you know, I kind of had to find these little, uh, paradigm shifts all on my own. And I figure, you know, this may fit your journey. This may not fit your journey, but, um, if it can save you some time, save you some frustration and give you some clarity quicker, you know, I figure why not share. So that's what we're going to get into today. But first, let's check in with some synchronicities. So a couple weeks ago, Camille and I were talking about this pattern that we've been noticing in both of ourselves, which is basically that we feel like we have to do something. You know, we've got to figure out the spiritual lesson in order to progress forward. And unless we figure out the lesson, then there's no progression. So that's been, like, pretty useful for a long time, but... You know, we kind of worked our way through that one, and we arrived at this place where we had this new perspective. We're like, well, maybe, maybe we're just jewels. Maybe, you know, in the same way that a jewel just shines, and that's all it has to really do to inspire beauty in everyone around and everyone around it. Um, maybe that's all we have to do. Maybe we don't have to keep figuring out all of, all the lessons and doing a million different things. So. Um, I worked on her and basically installed that pattern into her. And usually when I work on other people, like I get the benefit of the pattern too. So I get installed in me. So then um, fast forward a couple weeks and we're driving in the car. So we had just gone to our favorite little French cafe spot that we go to all the time. And then... um, I had something show up for me, which is a total hot button for me, where I had uh, a former client that was like, hey, I want to sign up. I want to do more sessions with you. And I was like, sweet, let's do it. Um, and then we figured out the details, and then it was time to go. And then the client pulled back at the last minute and said, all right, I don't think I want to do this. Or hold on a second. Like, let's just let's just pause. Let's think about this. And that drives me crazy because then I start going and getting up in my head and I go, okay, it's never going to happen. You know, I'll be poor forever. This is, my life is ruined. Like, I just get all up in my head and I get very uh, bothered by it. So Camille was having the same kind of thing happening at the same moment. And I said, all right, Camille, let's figure this out. So then... Uh, I was like, Camille, what do you think about it? And here's what she had to say. So, uh, in my experience, I got really sick this weekend. And what I realized from that is, like, the universe is definitely trying to tell me to stop trying so hard. It's like, almost like I was forced to not do anything. Um, and, you know, the world keeps going. And so, from that perspective, I was like, maybe we don't have to figure anything out, um, and I was reminding back of, of last week when we talked about being, being the jewel and shining and having that be enough and having everything come in just from, from that, from 
how radiant we are. Um, and I was like, well, maybe that's it. I'm not sure, but that's my that's my intuition on it. And I thought that was like interesting because she was just saying like, you know, um, figuring it out and navigating to the spiritual lesson. She's just like, that's just another form of trying to control, which is kind of what we're trying to let go of. But I saw how, okay, every time we try to find the lesson, she's just like, that's just another way of trying to control the situation. So then we're, as soon as she says that, instantaneously, we look to the left side of the road. And what do we see, Camille? A peacock. An actual live peacock on the side of the road. And Camille says, okay, that was definitely a sign. So uh, I pop open my Dream Symbols app, and then I start looking up what does peacock mean. And while I'm doing that, there's another car that comes whizzing by that um, has triple fours on it. And then it says triple fours and then pearl. So I look up in the dream book. Pearl is right next to peacock in the dream book. So we read that interpretation, and the interpretation on both those symbols basically means um, it's like a recognition of beauty within self. Uh, it's like a coming together, like all the colors of the rainbow. It felt like this. Uh, it's like it felt very validating for the perspective that we had at the at that moment. It was kind of like, oh yeah, we got it. And then. Uh, attached to pearl, because in the dream book, sometimes it recommends that you look up another word just to validate the meaning or strengthen the meaning. It says, see, jewel, a.k.a. a gem, a.k.a. the thing that we changed. Like, literally down to the word, the thing that we changed a few weeks ago. So the perspective that I'm taking away from this synchronicity is that I don't need to find a lesson in every single experience. I don't have to figure it out all the time. You know, sometimes I can just, like, let go and just exist, and that's enough. You know, I don't have to, you know, earn my ascendance. It's just kind of the natural state. In the same way that a tree grows, um, you know, every once in a while it has dead leaves, you got to trim those off. And, you know, sometimes you got to make sure it gets enough water. Like, there are little things that you can do here and there, but its natural state is to grow. So that's kind of how I'm I'm interpreting all of this stuff, that, you know, maybe my natural state of being, you know, a jewel or a gem or whatever, you know, maybe that's all of our natural state, that we don't need to do anything to um, to earn or... Yeah, to earn or promote or validate our inherent brilliance. Like, it's already there. Like, if you got smudges on the outside of the jewel, maybe, yeah, rinse those off, wash those off. But as soon as you've rinsed rinsed those off and washed those off and rubbed those off, like, the jewel is brilliant, and it doesn't have to, you don't have to add anything to it. That's its intrinsic, inherent quality. It got even better. 
So this weekend, Zach and I were really focused on just enjoying life and trying not to think too much about like, how can we improve ourselves and everything. And we ended up having a super magical weekend. Um, So nourishing and beautiful. We spent um, an evening with friends that was just incredible and um, an abundance of beautiful food and laughter. And then we went to the beach the day after and just like laid at the beach and like did nothing and like made music randomly. And it was just such a lovely weekend. We treated ourselves to so much. And rather than thinking about how we could move forward, do better in our businesses or um, improve ourselves in any way, we were just soaking in all of the beauty that we already have around us. And on our way back from the beach, we always go to our favorite little bakery um, called Wildflower Bakery. And they have the best breads and scones. And um, we went up to the counter, we ordered our scone, and then we were looking at the breads. And there was this little note um, on the left-hand side where all the breads were listed. And it said, we have a new bread out. And the new bread is called The Gem. And Zach and I just looked at each other and we just started laughing um, because it was just such a perfect synchronicity in that moment. So if you enjoy hearing these kinds of synchronicities and you're thinking to yourself, well, Zach, that's a good one. But this crazy one happened to me the other day. uh, Please feel free to send those in. Uh, You could just record it right on your phone if you have a story and then email it to Zach, Z-A-C-H, at Zach Luz. Z-A-C-H-L-U-Z dot com. And then um, I'll collect them and then hopefully I can put you on the show. All right, let's get back into it. Stage one, asleep. So there I was talking on the phone with my life coach, Shana. Shana and I had been working together on and off for six, maybe seven years. And Shana was incredible. Um, I don't know what it was really that drew me to her, whether it was a referral from a friend that I really look up to and consider him to be walking the path very, very earnestly. And he mentioned Shana in a really positive life. Or if it was the fact that she'd been into 17, her 17th Burning Man. And she just kind of had this perspective on life that not a lot of people had. She's been in long-term relationships with men. She's been in long-term relationships with women, has lived a whole lot of life, and is just one of these wise people that I always could turn to. So I reached out to her, and I let her know that my relationship had ended. And she could tell I was sad, but she also knew that there was relief in there. And before I could kind of even get to the, get to those places where, you know, I would, I was expecting to be consoled. I mean, she knew me better than that. And she said, you know what, Zach, that relationship was only 85% perfect. And you know what? 85%, that's pretty good. But that's what makes it so hard to leave, because it's 85%. 
You know, if you look around and you see other people with a 51% relationship, that feels great in comparison. But 85% just not cutting it for you. I thought a lot about that. She was right. 85%, it wasn't going to work for me. That's And in that single statement, I had realized why every single other thing in my life had fallen apart at this point. In this first stage, going into it, I didn't even realize what was happening, but I was just kind of asleep. I was working on my own company with a bunch of my friends, and that felt good. I also had a remote job, so I had freedom to travel. I had a relationship. I had the bouncy blonde girlfriend with the place on the beach, and everything in my life felt like, you know, I should be happy right now. But there's just like this gnawing feeling that this isn't it. This isn't everything. I know that there's like more for me. And all it ever was, was this curiosity. Just this little, tiny, annoying feeling. It was just that 15, that extra 15%. Don't get me wrong, 85% is freaking great. But I just kept wanting more and wanting more and wanting more and wanting more. So it's not like I did anything. In fact, what I thought most of the time was like, I'm good. All I need. It's just a little bit more money. Because if I have a little bit more money, then, you know, everything I can, I can pay for things. I can have more fun experiences. You know, I can kind of work out all this other stuff in my life. I'm good. That's all I need. But that wasn't the case. I remember in that relationship, there were all these little signs that now when I come back and I step away from it, I realize how clear it was that we were, we were never going to be at 100%. And it's not just the relationship. It was the career. It was my title. It was my friendships. It was everything was at 85%. I'd go to my mastermind meetings and... It was cool. Like, I loved the people there, but I had to wear this freaking suit and we met in this like corporate thing and it just wasn't me. In my relationship, I remember I started meditating out. I started meditating on our, on our back porch. And it was just kind of like weird for her. And I just figured, that's fine. You don't have to be spiritual too. I can be spiritual and I can just do this and it can be my own weird thing. You don't have to be included in this. That's okay. And even in the company that I was building, I just felt this thing where I was like, 
you know, this is really exciting that we're starting to get some momentum, but I don't know if I want to do this for another 10 years. Like, do I really want to be that guy that just turned 40 and is going to pool parties in Vegas talking about how cool his company is? I just, there was just this gnawing, just this thing. And I didn't realize how important that extra 15% was. So while I was asleep, it's not like I did something. I didn't decide, okay, I'm asleep, I need to change it. There was just this opening in me. This quiet opening that was welcoming whatever it was that was going to pull me forward. For me, the perspective I had going into stage one was, I'm fine. I just need a little bit more money. If I get a little bit more money, then I'll solve all my problems. I can take all those little things that are, you know, at 85%. If I have more money, I'll have more freedom. I have more choice. I can just fix them all. But that's not exactly what life had in store for me. The perspective that eventually let me get out and exit stage one was, it was this opening. I didn't know what I was opening to. I had no idea. There's no, I mean, there's no pot, there's no vision for a podcast. There's no vision to do group healing. There's none of that stuff. I had no idea what I was going to do, but there was just this soft, gentle opening inside of me. Kind of like uh, from the movie Yes Man when Jim Carrey just decides, you know what, I'm just going to start saying yes to everything. I have no idea where it's going to lead. It was that kind of decision, but much more subtle. It was just this thing in me where the higher part of me realized that I was very sincere that I wanted 100%. So then it gifted me the rest of these stages of awakening. Stage two, the glimpse. This is a quartz crystal, and it's for you. She handed it to me as she explained how quartz basically amplifies any of the patterns that we have going on on the inside. So I thought, okay, this is going to be something that's going to accelerate my development, or it's just a bunch of bullshit. Either way, it's a nice gesture. I'll at least try it out. I'll be open-minded enough just to sit down and meditate with it and see what happens. Shortly thereafter, within a matter of days, I had gotten into one of the biggest fights that I'd ever been in with my girlfriend. I thought about that when weeks later, I finally decided, you know what? I'm sick of hearing all these things about astrology and not knowing whether it's real or not. So let's just hire a professional astrologer, do a real session, and figure out the truth. This is when I met with the astrologer. We got to the end of the reading, and it finished like this. Um, Actually... You know, I didn't actually want to consult the stars on that one. Um, I actually just 
decided that I was going to move in with my girlfriend. Uh, I decided that before the reading. So I just, I'm going to go ahead and move forward anyway. To which my astrologer responded, you know, I would really, really recommend against that. Especially for the next six months. Yeah, I think I'm just going to stick with my gut on this one. It's your life, she said. And sure enough, within about five months, that relationship had ended. I didn't have a place to go. I had to bounce around from one couch to the next. And I started realizing that maybe there was more to the world than what I had previously thought. I call this stage the glimpse because that's exactly what it is. I entered this stage with this kind of subtle, silent statement of, okay, fine. I'm open. I'm listening. Prove it. And that's exactly what happened. I got all these little glimpses of what life could be like if it were that 100% instead of the 85% that I was talking about earlier. So whether it was that moment where I had my astrologer tell me, don't move in, or I got the quartz crystal, or I had other little synchronicities coming into my life, or I had a Reiki practitioner reading my chakras, describing me in detail, uh, whether it was getting connected to ayahuasca after turning it away, saying, no, I don't want to do that, I don't want to do that, and having someone gift me a session for hundreds of dollars that everybody else is getting charged. He pays for my ticket for me to go. I started getting a glimpse of what life was like at 100%. Like I was saying, the perspective I had was, okay, fine, prove it. And it definitely proved it to me. Sometimes what happens to us when we're going through this stage is, especially if we need proof, that proof can come in the form of intensity. At least it had to be very intense in order to get my attention for me to take any of this stuff seriously. But that's the point of the glimpse. It's to heighten the contrast between what we think we know, how we think the world operates, and then we get the greater awareness of what's possible. The point of this stage is to give you something that's crazy enough to where you go, you know what? There's something to this. It's where it sparks enough excitement for you to trust the path so you're willing to take one more step and one more step and start out on your real journey. For me, this part of the awakening ended when I transcended my perspective of, okay, fine, prove it to me, to getting to the point where I realized, holy shit, life doesn't work how I thought it did. This stuff is real. Stage three, mapping your patterns. The sales trainer continued the workshop and asked for a volunteer. Even though I wasn't in sales, I figured, sure, why not? 
So I raised my hand. He called on me, brought me up to the front of the room. He pulled his whiteboard right in front of us, uncapped his dry erase pen, and said, all right, so what is your big, hairy, audacious revenue goal for yourself for this year? In a booming voice. $60,000, I replied. The awkward tension in the room was palpable. Everybody else had at least the standard $100,000 a year revenue goal. But for me, $60,000 was good. After the awkward tension got to be almost unbearable, I said, well, but here's the thing. I only want to work two hours a week in order to generate that $60,000. The trainer didn't really know what to say to this because it derailed his whole plan to motivate us to reach $100,000. So we just kind of said, okay, $60,000. Let's go ahead and do the exercise anyway. In that moment, the reason that I had said that was because I had caught some of the societal patterns that had been running in my, in my background and I no longer wanted to be controlled by them. I thought back to this book that I had just finished reading, which talked about a truer definition of wealth. See, the definition of being wealthy and successful that had been handed down to me or that I'd seen on TV or seen in like celebrity life or whatever. It was having, you know, a gigantic mansion with 16 different rooms, you know, making sure you have a butler and like a Rolls Royce and a couple, you know, Maseratis or Ferraris or something. But I had read this book just before that workshop that talked all about true wealth where they said, it's not about the things that you do. It's about the experiences that you're able to have. It's about the time freedom that you have. It's about having freedom of location to move about the world and be able to go anywhere you want. That's true wealth, I thought to myself. And in that moment, when I was in the belly of the sales beast, and I could feel everybody else's expectations of me trying to get me to conform to be one certain way, to go for $100,000 a year so that it would mean that all my behavior would be able to be manipulated and influenced and controlled from then. That I would have to get up at 6 a.m., I'd have to look in the mirror and do my affirmations, and then I'd have to cold call like a madman I wasn't willing to be controlled by those patterns. But the only reason I could say that in the moment was because I was aware of them. I started questioning everything. Should I really be thinking about buying a house? Or should I just travel? Do I actually need to be in a long-term relationship or should I be a bit of a man whore for a while 
all these patterns which had previously been settled into this is just how you're supposed to be in the world, they kind of all opened back up and they were up for revision. I remember thinking, why do I get colds all the time? Like, when there's this other person up on stage saying he hasn't gotten sick in 15 years. Is that actually possible? I remember hearing that, you know, a man wears a suit. But really? Is this, is that true? Or is that just something that suit companies say? Have I watched too many episodes of Mad Men? I mean, I hate suits. They look like, it's, I mean, the necktie even looks like a chain around your neck. I thought of my patterns in my family. My siblings used to make fun of me and call me Golden Boy. Because I would run around and any time that anybody needed help with anything, I was Mr. Golden Boy. Wait, was I doing that because I actually sincerely wanted to be kind? Or was I Golden Boy because I was just too afraid to break any rules? So I started diving deeper and deeper into all of my patterns. My patterns in family, my patterns in my health, my pattern in my, patterns in my relationships, my patterns in business, my patterns in spirituality, my patterns around willpower. Everything I could think of was up for revision. Everything was getting questioned. And the reason that it was happening was because I didn't want to be led along a path that led to nowhere once again. I also discovered that I had some pretty beneficial patterns too. I remember I would always get lucky with rides home from the airport, where one time when I was coming back from a trip, I remember telling my ex-girlfriend, hey, relax, we'll get a ride home. To which she insisted, yeah, but where are we going to get a ride? How are we going to get a ride? How are we going to get home? And I said, relax, relax, I always get lucky. About 60 seconds later, a friend calls me and says, hey, what are you up to? I said, I'm in Chicago, flying back to San Diego. And he says, hey, uh, can, do you need a ride home from the airport? And I say, sure, that sounds great. I hung up the phone and tried to just conceal my smile. Not all my patterns were bad. But the point was, now I was aware of them, and now I could take control. Now I could become more aware of what I was allowing into my life and what I was not. And it turns out, this is a conversation that spiritual people have been having for a very, very long time. This is when some teachers started coming into my life. Some of them I was only able to access through YouTube. But there were so many people out there having these conversations. There were so many spiritual guides for me that were waiting in YouTube, and I just watched hours and hours of spiritual videos every single day. Then I was going to pod, I was listening to podcasts, and then I was going to energy healings, and then I met other teachers that were teaching me how how we adopt these patterns and how they come into our subconscious mind. I was learning about ancestral uh, stuff, how karma works and dharma works and all these different things. I just wanted to learn. 
the thing that helped me catapult forward at this stage was when I met teachers that could help me see my patterns. Most of them, I was, they, they were blind spots. I, they were invisible to me. But when I met elders who were wiser than I was, they could help me spot all of the limiting patterns that I had. Sometimes the simple awareness was enough to shift them. Other times I had to change beliefs. But in any case, I started getting acquainted with how all these patterns work. In many ways, I'm still in this stage. The patterns, it's always just another layer and another layer and another layer, getting deeper and deeper and deeper towards our truth. I didn't understand what's going on at the time, but now a really helpful metaphor is a prism. The way a prism works is that you shine a beam of light into a prism. The light goes inside, it bends a little bit, and then it bends a little bit more. And then when it shines on the other side, guess what you see? The whole spectrum, all the colors in the rainbow. And that's how life's supposed to work. But what happens is every single pattern that we have, it's a distortion. It's like a little piece of tape or a little smudge on the prism. So if we take a prism and then we get it a little dirty and then we smudge it and then we mark it with a marker and then we put duct tape on it and then, you know, there's this big societal belief that says, oh, we got to put double duct tape on that. Otherwise, everyone's going to, you know, it's going to be bad for everybody. There's all these different little the tape and the bullet and the smudge and the thing and then pretty soon you can't even see the prism then when you shine the light on it no rainbow all that happens is it just shines into it and nothing comes out so what this unpeeling the layers process has been about it's about it was about mapping out the patterns and then starting to peel one layer off, then the next, then the next, then the next. Until we can get back to our core of what's already there naturally, which is when you shine the light on us, the whole rainbow comes out. So they feel this transition happening within them. And it's like this intuitive pull. Most of the times they're not even consciously aware of it. It's just this intuitive pull that's going on and they're saying, okay, it's time for me to get rid of all of these layers. So in any case, sometimes they're aware of the patterns themselves and they're just kind of stuck on it where they've read a million books about it. They can explain the problem. They know when they're about to have this pattern run again and it frustrates the, the hell out of them. So that's when they pull me into their experience and then we just do what you could do yourself just a little bit faster. This is usually when people start calling me into their life. They can feel this transition happen. They know that they it's time to peel off all those layers and they wanna do it really fast. Anybody can unpeel layers. Nobody needs me or a teacher 
the whole benefit of a teacher is just sometimes we've seen that knot before and then or or we can shift it so just want to hammer that in nobody needs a teacher it's just something that can make things go faster sometimes if that's what you want so a lot of the times I don't even have to meet them face to face just they what they have to do is they have to open to me I can't do any of this stuff without their permission on some level sometimes their higher self brings them to me and <laughs> their higher self is like yeah go for it and their higher self would will even like give me metaphors at times where um, people will ask me like okay what should I do about this thing and then I get a picture in my head um, and it's like of um, you know the the game jacks where you drop a ball and then they like these little X things and then you drop the ball you catch you grab all the jacks and then you try to catch the ball before it bounces again it's like pictures like that will pop in my mind and I'll say oh and it's always like the perfect metaphor and their higher self gives it to me and then they're like oh my gosh I I didn't think anybody played that game like uh, I used to play that game growing up as a kid and that's because their higher self is giving me the perfect metaphor that they see that they need it's like their higher self is using me as a mouthpiece to be able to reach them so every pattern that you have like doesn't really have much to do with me I just kind of happen to be able to do what I can do but that's that's usually when people kind of come in and then at that point it becomes your choice of how you want to work with your patterns the speed doesn't matter it's that's just a matter of personal preference but usually there is this part of you as long as you are staying on this this path the spiritual path that will it will drive you to to go into this stuff you'll just feel naturally drawn to it this stage never really ends it's a continuous thing to this day I still find patterns. I still find little imperfections, little smudges that I can clean up. So that when the light shines in, the whole spectrum of colors shines through me. But if you're identifying and saying, you know what, maybe I'm in this stage, the way that you progress forward, the perspective that I had that allowed me to enter the next phase was okay you know I see how important all these patterns are and I see how they're totally controlling my life and I think I I get how this works now so it's like you basically kind of understand how things work like you understand the principles so like with um, like with a screwdriver, you go, okay, screwdriver works here. And okay, I need a hammer for this. Okay, I need nails. It's not like you need to build your own house, your own like mansion by hand. You don't have to do that just yet. 
but it's at this point where you're just like, okay, understand how this works. I have my bearings a little bit and I kind of understand how to create some level of change in my experience. Okay, so we're not actually going to do the Dark Knight of the Soul on this recording. Uh, we're going to break this up into two parts. Uh, we'll do stages four, five, six, and seven in part two, where we will go through the next stages. Uh, in case you're curious, those are called Dark Knight of the Soul, Cocoon, Frequency Rises, and Awakened Abundance. So... Congratulations on making it through the first three stages, which are one, asleep, two, the glimpse, and three, mapping the patterns. And to sum up the perspective changes that, go, that you go through to enter and then exit each stage, for stage one being asleep, my entry perspective was, oh, I'm fine. I just need a little bit more money to solve all my problems. Uh, then you graduate from that stage when you go, start flirting with all of the things that are associated with stage two, the glimpse, where you start hearing about crystals and psychics and tarot cards and all that stuff. And you're just kind of like curious and kind of open to it. Stage two, you enter that under the perspective, okay, fine, prove it, show me, show me that this is real. And you graduate from stage two when you leave that going, holy shit, I think life has life works a little differently than I may have thought it did. What's going on here? Then you enter stage three, which is mapping out the patterns. Uh, you enter that stage kind of going, okay, let's learn. Let's figure out how all this stuff works. And you graduate once you've got a basic handle around, okay, I see how this stuff works. I see how shifting my perspective uh, can have a dramatic effect on my actual physical, tangible reality. And then you move into stage four. Intro and outro music by The Passion Hi-Fi.